0: Do you want to do the honors, do the, the uh, initial uh, introduction? Yeah, this is going to be the first ever introduction
1: of Carousel Jockeys. My name is Adam Wilkes and I'm with Matthew Kaufler. Hello. And we are, um, we have been hired by the Chabad World Headquarters in Crown Heights, Brooklyn to infiltrate the Reform Jewish movement. And make everybody love Israel. We want them to love a, Israel. Are we? Am I right?
0: It's a very specific. Uh, it's a very specific job. It's a very specific goal. I think we're only like we're not even going to target the conservative Jews or the Orthodox. We're going specifically for the Reformed Jews, and we're serving our Hasidic overlords of Crown Heights specifically, not the Williamsburg ones. Just to be clarifying, not the Williamsburg Hasidic community.
1: Well, the Crown Heights Hasidic community is the capital. You got to see this gigantic building on Eastern Parkway. I was there today. It's the world Hasidic. Are you
0: sure it's not Williamsburg? I've always heard it's Williamsburg. Have you been to like uh, certain parts of Williamsburg?
1: No. Well, maybe. Okay. So this is the world Chabad headquarters. My apologies. The Hasidic headquarters might be in Williamsburg.
0: Did you see their buses?
1: Oh, right. Okay.
0: Yeah, the yellow school buses with the Hebrew lettering on the side, oh, and their, their oh, own ambulances. In Crown
1: Heights. They have that. They have every. Hebrew everywhere in Crown Heights, and and Jamaican. It's like this this weird jumble of like Jamaicans, uh, Caribbean Americans, and uh, Hasidic Jews. Well,
0: that sounds like a fun mix. That sounds like fun, but but, but it wasn't fun to, in to 1991.
1: Avoid- that's for sure. Let's just say that.
0: I'm not going to inquire further right now although I will want to follow up and talk about whatever it is that you're referring to. Did you want to do you want to do just a brief introduction on yourself and then I'll follow suit and we can introduce um the pre-recorded segment that we already have?
1: Yes. Oh the the pre- yes, yes, yes. Um so uh we both grew up in Merrick, New York. I grew up on Julian Lane and went to Lakeside Elementary School. Um I I was kind of a spacey kid for most of my life. Um, In high school, I was kind of an English and social studies guy, a bit of a nerd, although I did theater, so I guess I had a big personality. I went to Binghamton University, which is a SUNY. It's like, you know, other than the name SUNY Binghamton, it had probably every kind of feel and quality of a private school, and it was mostly upper-class kids from Long Island. Um... I was the student government guy. I was a little bit of an activist, but not much. And, you know, I'm really interested in politics, social justice. I'm in the Democratic Socialists of America. Now I'm kind of regrouping I graduated. I'm planning on going to grad school to be a teacher. Um, and that's, that's my background. I think we'll, we'll learn a little bit more about, uh, you know, I guess what, what I'm up to. How about you?
0: That was, that was relatively concise, good. It was good that you kept it concise, because I have an idea coming up right after I do this. All right. Uh, my name's Matt, Matt Koffler. Uh, this is the second podcast that now I'm a part of, the first being the General Admission Wrestling Podcast. So this is a little bit of a departure from what I usually do. Um, I'm a thesis student at the School of Visual Arts. Uh, we just wrapped up my principal photography on a feature film about my father's recovery from narcotics to becoming a narcotics counselor for... Uh, geriatric patients. Um, I do a lot of editing, film-related work. I also help prepare and run a teen-based group at Sunrise Day Camp for kids with cancer and their siblings. Uh, that group, that group rather, is focused mainly on work-related skills after graduation from high school, going into the academic world and professional world too. Wow, you so must that's really kind of care. my background. You must really um, care and have a big I have heart. a bunch of experience with nonprofits and things of that nature, mostly cancer related, but some that aren't. And um that I think is a concise little snippet of who I am. Um Adam and I are also both uh, big time surfers. We like to surf on the blue wave. We surf um every day off the shore of um of uh Jones Beach oh, and we ride God. those waves.
1: Oh my god, yeah. We ride those
0: blue waves.
1: Bro, I just, I am the best surfer on the eastern seaboard. It's, I, I should be in more competitions. Why haven't we moved to Long Beach? What are we still doing here?
0: No, we're, we're urban dwellers. We, we, we In New York City, we ride on a seas of trash, uh, courtesy of uh, Mayor Big Bill. That's what we're up to.
1: Well, there also aren't any Jews west of the Delaware River. Like, you know, period. I, I think that's it. It basically ends there.
0: And we just we're just kind of confined to where we are just because of our uh, cultural demographics that we wouldn't survive anywhere else. We're, we can't go to Kansas or Tennessee. Tennessee right?
1: We are on the Chabad
0: mission. No, we got to bring the Chabad to, 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 um, to Tennessee. I think I think <laughs> I think they're they're next.
1: Tennessee, West Kentucky. Virginia. Oh, my God. Yeah.
0: Can you can you can you imagine Kentucky?
1: Well, you know, Michael Bloomberg might throw his hat in the 2020 race, and if that's the case, he'll be in the Kentucky primary, West Virginia. He he's gonna bring Uber to coal miners.
0: Oh boy! And City bike. Is Michael Bur- is, is Mike Bloomberg Jewish?
1: Yes, he's Jewish. His his first name is Reuben. Oh, is is Reuben Bloomberg? Oh, really? Yeah.
0: Wait. So he goes by a stage name?
1: No, I think. Okay, it might be Reuben Michael. Well, something's the middle name. I don't think it's Michael Rubin. I think it's Rubin Michael Bloomberg. Wow,
0: he he should go by that. I think he, I think he might have some more success if he goes by that. That that name stands out, Rubin.
1: I know, but I think when he first started out in business, there was still that slither of anti-Semitism or something. Like mm. maybe not really, but maybe there was still like, oh, a Ru- Rubin is kind of exotic. I need to be Michael. You know, and I'm sure he started around like the late '70s, early '80s, right? He's pretty old. That's that's the thing. No one talks about him like that, but he's getting old too.
0: Yeah, because he's kind of looked the same for like the past fifteen years, so no one's paying attention to his aging.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: Um, yeah, he my old dad. Old was my, fa- my family once met him at the uh, the Thanksgiving uh, inflating the balloons. I, th- I believe it was two thousand eight. Uh, we were on one side of, of the viewing pen, so to speak, where they have you packed in and they're uh, inflating all the balloons. And the, uh, the mayor walked by with his team. And my dad yelled out, yo, Mr. Mayor, can we come on, uh, on your side? And he laughed, said, nah, nah, but I could come over and talk for a bit. And they had a conversation about the union and working in a New York City hospital system. And a, yeah, there is a picture somewhere around. Wow. so that would be the second time the second uh, run in my my my, my well really of our family has had with uh, New York mayors that I know of
1: what a great politician
0: so, yeah I mean you can't deny it. in this bizarre world you you start to miss just the standard politician that isn't that interesting you kind of miss things that aren't interesting
1: right. Well, the I think
0: going too fast.
1: Almost kind of like that as a governor. Like he's not that flashy and he's so constant, but
0: Bloomberg but ineffective.
1: Right. Well, Blo- right. And Bloomberg had a kind of a I think there was a reputation that he was effective. Like I remember one time in like yes. around 2005 or 6, I was with my with my father and like he we was driving in Manhattan and he was like, "Oh, I think Mike Bloomberg's the best mayor the city's ever had." Or the best the best mayor in years. And I, I just remember that moment.
0: He, regardless of what you how you feel about him, you can't deny he left a very serious, lasting impact on the city. It's, like, visible. Like, you can see it. Like, you can literally look up, like, pictures and videos of pre- and post-Mike Bloomberg New York City, things that were done to the Flatiron District and the Times Square especially, and just the way that... I mean, he at least had a vision of how the next generation of New York City would look more pedestrian based and things of that nature. And you could agree or disagree, but he was certainly effective in getting what he wanted done.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think it is better. It is probably better than how it was in, in, in most ways 30 years ago. Um, I think the underlying economic realities of gentrification are bad. And I think they accelerated under Bloomberg. And I think most of the growth was benefit was went towards the rich, but you're right. There was a bit more of a pedestrian, environmental friendly vision. Um, uh, you know, you could look at a lot of sociological factors as to why crime went down. I think stop and frisk is excessive, but you can't argue that crime crime rates are lower than ever in almost every single precinct of New York City. Every single one. Hmm. Um
0: um except so actually, before we midtown manhattan is yeah. still
1: because i was looking at the crime maps last night midtown manhattan is still one of the most unsafe parts of the city isn't that interesting highest crime rates in midtown
0: oh what, that, well what well it depends on what kind of crime i would, i can believe that depends on the type of crime though
1: right um more burglaries like, it,
0: that's exactly what i was yeah no that makes total sense because that's where the tourists are that those are the ones who are getting ripped off right right but you know that's like that. That's the epicenter of just like scamming and weird, um, weird hustles.
1: But beds, Bedford Bedford's, th- things you Bedford's see. Stuyvesant is the the most violent pressing though, of of, uh, oh, yeah. of like more violent um, crime, uh, assault. No, yeah,
0: that, that yeah that has not changed yet. The coffee shops have not infiltrated yet.
1: We need pro-Israel coffee shops. We need to bring Little Tel Aviv to Bushwick Avenue.
0: Little Tel Aviv. That's a cute name. Little Tel Aviv.
1: It's great. Oh my god. Cuz you know, I was in Crown Heights and they still have their butchers and their bagel shops, but it, there's only a little there's only a little like sprinkle of the hipsterism there in those Jews. That's what we we need to really marry the two. We need to inject some Jerusalem hummus right into uh, Bushwick and Williamsburg.
0: Are you arguing for a transgender rabbi crossover? Oh, I see. So you want like the hipster blue wave to cross over with the the hyper conservative Israeli sentiment?
1: Oh yeah, sheket of Here we go
0: his what's his, I, I think what's that's his name fun. what's the
1: guy um, what's the character's name uh, from Iran
0: uh, Ar- Iran Mar- Ar- Murad Lieutenant Colonel uh, Aran Moran
1: just imagine him like flailing his arms as he's walking down Metropolitan Avenue in the heart of Williamsburg just like we need some discipline
0: <laughs> that'd actually be really intense you, like like Dame m- sa- you matter like Dame Impala?
1: Is. you like Damon Impala? now you like uh, the Masada the tame Masada.
0: Adam here is referring to the Sasha Baron Cohen uh, show that ran on Showtime, Who is America?, where Sasha Baron Cohen disguised himself as an Israeli IDF soldier to infiltrate Republicans to get them s- to say some really stupid shit and to do some really stupid shit, uh, some of whom have lost their jobs. So uh, good on Sasha. It was a great program, as was uh, Borat, Bruno, and. Uh, the other myriad of characters he uh, provided for that show before we get into the 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 main heat of it where we're gonna where we're gonna play our initial reactions to the midterms from last Tuesday um, I was thinking to just um, wrap up the introductory portion how about we do the introductions but this time you introduce me I introduce you and we see how we view each other because I feel like we both missed some details. You know, we could give better, more concise introductions. That would be more uh, beneficial to any potential listeners.
1: Okay. Well, um, I guess we have to uh, be honest then, right? We gotta, we gotta be upfront.
0: No, of course. Do you want Do you want me to go first, or would you like to I think go first? You
1: go first on me because I introduced myself first.
0: Okay. Um, here on this podcast, Carousel Jockeys, we have Adam Wilkes. Um, you can call him a certain kind of, uh, intellectual, a little bit more of a spacey intellectual, but certainly one who thinks nonetheless, graduate of Binghamton University, member of the debate team, the, uh, student uh, association there, uh, very politically involved is definitely the type of guy who likes to stir the pot. Now by stirring the pot, I don't mean in the sense that it's, um, unnecessary or superfluous, he looks for things that uh, can be resolved or made better and tries his best to do. To, to do just that, he likes to ch- uh, challenge authority figures. Um, and at the same time, he's trying to have a better cultural understanding of where our country and maybe even the world is at currently, which is why he wants to get into this field, this podcasting field, because that's kind of where, where everyone is right now. Uh, everyone on the commute, is um, plugging in to random people all over the world who have shit to say. So that's where Adam is at right now. Um, If you Google Adam, you'll find that he uh, protested Governor Andrew Cuomo um, in favor of uh, uh, Palestinian uh, human rights. So he isn't uh, simply on the blue wave. He's a a bit of a radical, a real-deal radical. That's how I would describe Adam. A a dangerous uh, socialist, communist... A dangerous uh, communist, um, uh, hell bent on destroying the world. That took a very sharp turn, but I think that I think that's pretty good.
1: I I would agree. I'm kind of like a spacey guy from the suburbs who sud- who just kind of randomly embraced uh, Marxism and socialism. I think that w- <laughs> that that's getting pretty close to the point. Um, and I uh, yeah I um, we can talk about we we can do a whole. Uh, we can do a whole episode on what all the isms mean. Um, but I, I certainly have a lot of politics, t- you know, to discuss with y'all. And, yeah, let's produce the best content. If you're stuck in traffic Definitely. on your commute right now, listen to us. We know what we're talking about. Most people, gonna you know what you know? They don't really know what they're talking about. We, we know what we're talking about, don't we?
0: A self-professed intellectual, very, very concise
1: I majored in sociology. That means I literally know everything about everything. Oh, okay. <laughs> so... Uh, All right, do you have a... Yes. So, uh, Matthew Koffler. We first, uh, we first met each other, even though we were in the same high school, at a, a Usedan summer camp where um, we were both uh, working... Not working, we were both uh, in, their, in their general film program for kids, I think around middle school-aged. And he is a very, very creative guy, and he sees narratives in everyday things, and he can make a movie about many, many things that are very interesting. Um, But he also, and he's very wise to do this, he he does stick to personal experiences a lot in his movie. Dickie K, which I think is coming out in June, right? Uh, Around then? Roughly. Yeah, right. Roughly the summer of 2019, maybe a little earlier, um, is based off of is very is very biographical and based off of his father. Um, And he um, he's a creative, a creative kid and a great kid. certainly has a lot of energy and um, he also is very disciplined. He goes to the gym almost every day. I think the the intense schedule of filming his thesis interrupted the gym routine, routine a little bit. Um, but he takes maintaining his body seriously, taking care of himself seriously. He picks the right friends. He never extends himself socially, but then he's always a very committed friend. Um, and uh, he's been there for me in a myriad of ways. Um... And in our little notes here, I just have that he's a filmmaker indie guy. So let's just say Matt is our uh, filmmaker indie guy, who also knows absolutely everything. And between uh, him and I, maybe just him alone, there is no other podcast you need to listen to, right?
0: Yeah, you have to delete you. Not only do you have the option now of deleting your podcast feed, you must. It's just a, it's a requirement. Oh,
1: and one more thing I have to say. Matt has this uh, insane, I'm, I won't call it a fetish, but Matt has this obsession with Forest Hills. He, he acts like he spent every waking day of his childhood on Queens Boulevard, um, and his father did, um, but he's just living there now, and he's a big fan of the Ramones and this, this kind of rugged... Um, outer borough vision of Queens. That's like a little bit of Goodfellas and a little bit of Punk. And uh, that's his aesthetic, which... Um, yeah, it, yeah.
0: It's definitely a little fantastical because I've now been here for a year and a half and I haven't seen this vision that I've been projecting <laughs> ever manifest itself in any meaningful way. It, it clearly doesn't exist.
1: Well, you know, but, not with Bill de Blasio is, as mayor. Of course not.
0: No, and... Hmm. I mean, yeah, but the closest you're going to get is by living near where the fantasy is said to be. So I live in a fantasy of, you know, I kind of have like these rose tinted goggles on when I'm walking around, but I know I'm wearing them. So I never truly see it, but I'm kind of thinking that I am. And when I tell people where I am, I say that's what I see because it's not about reality. It's about what you want to be real. That's the most important thing.
1: Right, I think there's some truth in that, and we can we can get into our our philosophical uh, opinions a little bit later. But I think um, how you build a life for yourself is definitely the combination of your own projection of a narrative and you know some material reality. And the truth is, you yeah. you're in Forest Hills, you're in an urban setting, you're living um, you're living in a small apartment, um, a studio, and The rest is on you to kind of add the color to the situation and make meaningful experiences that you'll forever associate with the setting.
0: I mean, there is a bit of a facetious edge to what I was just saying, of course, saying that reality is fake, and that's just a commentary on where we're at, but nonetheless, there is a general truth to how we behave in that regard. Um, Do we want to just introduce now the segment that we're about to show?
1: Yeah, um, so congratulations to uh, the the liberals in this country the uh, the Democratic Party is back in the driver's seat and we got our in the House of Representatives not the Senate the Republicans still control it two years into the Trump presidency and it was uh, an interesting night November 6th um, and we have our first time reactions to the mm-hmm. blue wave midterm elections of 2018.
0: Now, to just preface where we were at, I guess, mentally processing what was happening, um, in that moment, I think we were both underplaying a bit of, um, uh, I guess, a bit of the, the um, I guess, how good it is for the Democrats. We were, we were downplaying the reality of a blue wave a good amount. We didn't really accept it as a blue wave, I don't think. And I think that a lot of that had to do with disappointment about just how close that texas race was watching that intently um the florida situation uh initially looked like it went straight right even though right now as we speak on november 13th we're still waiting because it's a really strange situation there we're going to talk about that in a little bit but in that moment we didn't
1: and races we
0: didn't really fully acknowledge it
1: yeah, and some races have already shifted entirely, like the Arizona Arizona, the Arizona Senate race. Right, we thought it would be Martha McSally, Kristen Cinema is the winner. McSally's conceded, and I, I I don't, in my gut, I don't think the Florida and Georgia recounts will lead to Democratic victories. Um, but I, mm. but you know, there there was certainly a big shift, a, a a certain there was a surge in Democratic turnout, and we know the whole midterm turnout was. Very, very high. I think forty-four percent or something. I
0: don't know the. I don't know the exact number. All I knew about was the uh, the high early voting.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> high early voting, and like the Democrats won the popular vote of the whole election by like six or seven mm-hmm. points. But they still don't have a, mono- a majority in the Senate, and the House majority is ultimately pretty slim. Just. Think about how we don't really have a democracy. We're all told that we do, where we have a democracy, but the president of the United States, he didn't get more votes than Hillary Clinton. <clears throat> the um, the Senate and the House of Representatives, more people voted for Democrats, but the Senate is, is narrowly going to be controlled by Republicans still. So I think... If you, you know, what proof? Do, what more proof to you? I mean, that's just the beginning of a wealth of proof that we'll we'll talk about as to why we don't. We arguably don't have democracy in this country.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, enough of, enough of our babbling. Let's let's switch over to us. A week ago today, talking about the elections as they came in. That now we probably recorded this around midnight, so that's roughly the time we were at.
1: Uh, This is Adam, and I'm with Matt. Hello. We were with uh, Mike Falbo a little bit earlier, but he's not here. I'm pulling up the results of the 2018 midterms. We are two years into the administration of uh, Republican Donald Trump. Um, There is voting nationwide going going on across the country. Obviously, the polls have closed out West in California, but they're still counting out there. And it looks like we're going to have a Republican Senate. And the House of Representatives is now going to go to the Democratic Party.
0: Now, this isn't any real shock or surprise to anyone other than you. who, who and, I, and, I, and I bought into it, too. So maybe a slight shock to me to have a yeah. um, Democratic ma- majority in the House. I'm um, still
1: processing what it means. I'm not even really exactly sure how it happened.
0: I, I think you're reading a little too... I, th- I think you're a little too impressed by the results because of just how low your expectations were. That's where I'm really coming from in this. I, I think this is really just a case of politics as usual, where because the, the, the constituents overall nationwide are just so unhappy with politics, in general, going back over a decade at this point, that this flip-flop kind of shit isn't that surprising. What would have been far more surprising would be a real democratic... Uh, Takeover. Wake. That would have been yeah, uh, real you know, uh, a an real actual, blue wave, an actual right. Right. Which this would is,
1: have which would have catapulted Democrat, which would have led to Democratic victories in Florida, Georgia, Texas. Like
0: this is a this is a Democratic wake. You ever been on a boat? You know those how those work? Right. Yeah. Where you, the the boat goes by and you get a little boop. Like that's what this is, this is a boop. It's, it doesn't mean much. I don't. Right. I don't think you should get crazy over this.
1: And you know, and it's the same. And you can get these huge uh, swings in the House of Representatives. Just by winning a lot of races narrowly, that was the thing with this House race. It could have been or the Republicans could have held on, and it could have been in much bigger swing towards the Democrats that I think it's going to end up being. Just because so many of these races come down to one, two, three uh, points in the margin of error, that if there is a national trend in one direction, and it was a little bit more towards the Democrats in the cycle, indisputably, it will, it it can move a lot of districts, you know, a lot of seats. Even though it's it's like, when you look at everyone, you know, if you grouped everyone, everyone in all the districts together, it's still 1% of that population moving. Um, so, yeah.
0: Now, now, I guess what, maybe this is just how I process it. I'm more interested now in how this is framed by both sides. I guess both sides declare victory, right? That's what yeah. happens now. Everyone I, won?
1: I'm still processing. Um, although my friend just uh, commented on a post I made about the Binghamton, uh, New, the New York 22nd race um, between Claudia Tenney and Anthony Brindisi. And they called it for. Brindisi's giving a victory speech now, but my friend saying the lead keeps slimming as more pressings report in. I don't. I don't know how I'm. Yeah, I'm just not sure how to process it yet. Obviously, the Dems are going to declare victory. They've been. They've needed this, right? I'm. You know, I think we're so used to them losing because they actually haven't won any of these in six years.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Really, it, right? Because 2014 was. Um, they they lost the Senate. They they didn't get the House. 2016 was a catastrophe for the Democrats. Um,
0: but no one gets any true catharsis out of this. There's yeah. no, there's no, there's no real...
1: Well, no, there's, like, people who, like, live by MSNBC are going to be happy with this. And this is what Nate Silver was telling them what was going to happen. And you get a whole political class that no, they'll I mean, look into 538 For, t- for every tonight,
0: day. for tonight, everyone goes to sleep happy. But come morning, nothing really feels any no, different. Yeah. Because both sides will have declared victory and will, he- will have heard from both sides. And so no one can really have that rah-rah moment. So... It's just kind of, we go back to business as usual, um, but everyone just kind of feels a little better about themselves and a little worse about themselves. Everyone just kind of gets evened out a little bit. I, I is where I'm, assuming this goes. I don't think anyone's going to really hold Trump to any,
1: yeah, and answers I, here. Yeah, and also if you want to think about what this says about like national political trends. You know, we keep thinking of it as like this tug-of-war. You could go in a Democratic direction or you could go in a Republican direction. However, um, there seems to have been like a consolidation of the respective bases, right? Like the Democrats kicked Republicans out of seats in New York and New Jersey. And and suburban, upper-class voters were driving that. And that's like becoming their base. The Democratic Party is not the party of working people anymore. And that's a problem, and we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, But the northern New Jersey suburbs, Philadelphia suburbs, and upstate New York, the Democrats um, did so much better than expected, even kicking out Chris Collins in the 27th district. Now, um... While there's been a Democratic consolidation, and that even includes um, the Democrats won the Illinois gubernatorial race, um, and I didn't think that was a done deal either. They kicked Bruce Rahner out of Illinois. But on the flip side, Republican areas and areas where Trump thrived in 2016 they seem to be consolidating. Cruz still held on to Texas, um, uh, you know, DeSantis. Held on to Florida, and Rick Scott kicked out Bill Nelson, the last remaining statewide Democrat in Florida. Now Florida's going to have Republican uh, state legislatures, Republican two Republican senators, and a Republican governor. So now Bill Nelson's out. Um, I'm still looking at the national map provided by the New York Times. I don't think we have information on all the Western races yet, but you know, I would I would kind of just. I, I, I would have to call it each party is moving towards its own base and we're we're and and that's just a that's a phenomenon that's been going on for a long time and Obama performed well in some southern areas in those years and Trump performed
0: well in the Midwest slightly more partisan but it's just a slight tick forward in that regard meaning it's not really newsworthy yeah or even much to talk about. We're already, lo- we're already running out of... We've been waiting all night, waiting for that moment to have something to talk about, but it really hasn't happened because there's painful losses and decent victories on both sides which aren't really indicative of any growth or change in a meaningful way. Um, culturally, as a nation, we're split. Um, we're bitter, divisive, and unhappy. And I don't think tonight has moved in any Genuine, positive direction yeah. for anyone.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, that's a good way of putting it, Matt. Um, and I I just, it's part of the, It's. I think it's hard to process this in part because you can't, unlike, we all know Ted Cruz and Beto O'Rourke, um, a lot of people watch the debate between Ron DeSantis and Andrew Gillum. People could name the face and the, like, people could identify the face, the brand, the politics these House races, you just have a lot of them, and a lot of them are just breaking towards Democrats. So I think you have to get into just the technicalities of every district to come up with the story. And, you know, maybe we shouldn't try and put a narrative into this too much, especially with the House races. Um, but... We are definitely completely unable to talk to each other. and, you ha- and, and that, that is also a manifestation of that we live in different media worlds. We, we pro- like every, all the information we were received uh, we receive, everyone we're told to trust, it varies based on whether you're in the Fox News circles or the liberal circles. And it's, it's becoming two different worlds, and I don't know how we, we like we can continue to, I, I don't know how this is going to be sustainable for the country in the long run.
0: Yeah, I mean, can anyone really walk away from tonight feeling ecstatic? Does That word can't really be applicable anywhere.
1: Yeah, maybe the Republicans, if anyone, because they held the Senate and they kind of...
0: Yeah, but again, well, first of all, that was expected. Second... In, 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 not in any real major impressive ways. I mean, maybe a little no, more than. No, they took
1: Mike Brown. No, I disagree. They kicked out Bill Nelson in Florida. Oh, the Fla-
0: Okay, Florida, Mike yeah. Mike
1: Braun beat. That you're right. Um, uh, what was his name in Indiana? The Indiana Democrat. And in Nevada, I think, I think Heller is. Um, yep. Oh, they haven't. Oh, they haven't. Uh, polls haven't even closed in Nevada yet. Wow. The western part of the country. I guess
0: too. what I meant was that. In, in certain races where they were expected to win, um, it wasn't by enthusiastic margins. But I guess if you're looking exclusively at Florida and those kinds of situations, sure. I mean, definitely. definitely.
1: No, they're going to end up growing their Senate majority. Yeah, It's actually, uh, I'm looking at Missouri, Claire McCaskill out. Josh Hawley is pretty, is 250,000 votes ahead of her with 83% reporting um, Arizona, Martha McSally's ahead of Kristen Cinema. It's, it's, a, I think the national picture looks good for Republicans. It's, it's
0: consistently yeah. good for Republicans.
1: Yeah, you can't. Trump
0: doesn't have to really answer to anything. He
1: doesn't. No, he doesn't.
0: Um, so this is a loss for Democrats. They should just like, let's, let's be very straight to the point here and be honest and say there was no blue wave. Can we just say that? In a genuine sense, I'm
1: still because I don't. They're, they're they're apparently taking the house. I don't know why, but maybe. But d- is
0: that? I don't care about how this looks tonight. I'm talking, let's say, two, three weeks from now, two or three months from now, a year from now. Does this mean anything this, new this for, for progress? Tax, Medicare
1: and Medicaid, which they talked about cutting. Okay. Um. This does not affect judges, right? Because that's a Senate thing. Mm-hmm. Schumer has already made deals with Trump to confirm conservative judges at the lower levels.
0: So when is Schumer up for re-election?
1: In New York? Yeah. Um 2022. Oh fuck. They just had him in 2016. Yeah. Yeah, we're stuck with him for a long time.
0: He's such a spineless And the bitch. people
1: who are going to be run, the So now the House of Representatives speaker, it's going to be Nancy Pelosi again. 12 years ago she came in. It's like it's almost like we're just repeating history. And there's kind of it would be the baby boomers who like you know they—they—they they, um, they are running the party when the party has its first big surge in two thousand six, or the ones that they experience. And now twelve years later, they're doing it all over again. Like the cycle comes completely anew. They're still the ones in charge. They're just sucking onto the life of the party. Kevin Kramer killed Heidi Heitkamp. Yeah, the Senate—it's—it is a bad map. It is a bad... But then again. What the Republic what the Democrats were defending this year was um, the Senate map that uh, what were the gains of 2006 a long time ago, and in 2008 when Obama won. Um, so they had a really rough map this year.
0: Regardless, if you heard any pundit uh, enthusiastically on CNN or MSNBC declare this, the blue wave we were waiting for, Would you logically be... It wasn't a wave.
1: You can't call it this a wave. So so let's,
0: let's let's be very clear in just stating that this was not a blue wave. And then the real question is why, right? Why couldn't, why can't these supposedly rational politicians defeat the host of The Celebrity Apprentice? Because we have to always boil it back down to the reality of the, the, the real genuine lunacy of what we're dealing with.
1: Right. Yeah. And, and Trump, shat, you know, towered over this whole thing, probably in a way, probably in a bigger way than Obama in his midterms. Because, like, I don't, I don't, Trump is just an, an incredibly polarizing figure. I mean, you say his name alone in a, in a liberal part of the country and people just react without even thinking anymore. I mean, it's dehumanized him. And I mean that makes sense. He's dehumanized himself. I think he knows he's become kind of a, uh, a he knows he's a national media circus, and he has been since that day in June 2015 when he decided he was going to run for president. But you know, I don't think the Democrats have the the I don't I don't think they understand why Trump won in 2016, and I don't think they. And, and I don't th- I don't think they are uh, the 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 people who lead that party and steer the money and gather information and craft messaging and it's a very top-down process with su- with certain consulting firms and such and marketing firms. they don't understand why Trump won.
0: they are still, still kind of viewing it as a weird fluke and they haven't had any genuine existential questioning to really. Mm-hmm figure out why America has turned their backs on the standard establishment the old, politicians, the old, yeah, the the old, old oligarchs. Guard, or,
1: or maybe in the case of the Democrats, like the old kind of liberal brand is just gone now. Um, in the 1970s, 80s, and 90s, you elected a Democrat. I think there was some articulation of an economic vision. And, and, and on paper, they're getting back to that. Mm. But I don't think that's people... I don't think that's why... Most Democrats won tonight a Democrat that won tonight reached out to a very particular constituency constituency that was just triggered by trump yes, and they watch Rachel Maddow all the time or they um they they, they love Anderson Cooper and they 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 think Russia's the enemy it's a it's a, we're being archetypical but um Their energy was kind of driving this whole thing. It wasn't an expansion of the Democrats, uh, their electorate. So nothing
0: genuinely profound or progressive about this. It's just genuine, just, I don't like seeing Trump's face on the TV, let me stick it to him, and oh, this is a Democrat, so I'll vote for them.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Although in certain cases, that didn't make a difference, and the Republicans still edged out. So really nothing has changed is really the idea nothing's changed any progress made here tonight in the house specifically is just reactionary to trump but in the long run that's good for trump because more more publicity for trump is good so even a even a even a even a re- slight receding moment for trump is still in the long run still a moment about trump which down the road Will lead to his re-election anyway. Exactly.
1: And, and, you know, that's one of the things here because now that the people who run the Democratic Party think that they don't need to change because of this House thing, they yes. won't. This might even be worse for the whole thing in 2020.
0: That's what I was about to say. Exactly. Right. That it might be even worse now to have a situation where any Democrats can declare victory in in, in in what I presume they'll still refer to as a blue wave, because now they have an excuse to um, inject the anesthetic into their brains again and refuse to learn and refuse to grow, and that's gonna bite them in the ass potentially really hard if they don't make the right call and put the right person up against Trump, and they and they they won't think about who that person is. They'll genuinely believe that any person wearing a blue tie will be Trump rather than, and and all their focus will be on Trump rather than who is this person that we're going to build a brand around, which obviously, yeah. Yeah.
1: And he gets to control the national conversation when everyone, when everyone reacts to everything he says. So that is the first way forward for the Democrats. Um, They need to stop. They, you know, they need to ignore him a little bit more and craft a message that just transcends reacting to him. It's weird. The, the New York Times has not called the House yet. It's like...
0: Right now, uh, CNN has it as 188 to 172 as of 11.57. Democrat. Yes.
1: Is that like... Pred-
0: I guess they're going based off of what... Is very likely assumed across the board. And even if I mean, honestly, does this number genuinely matter in the long run? In any genuine, authentic way, does what happens at this point really matter? Right? If they, if they, if 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 they, if if the Democrats win as predicted by CNN, which, by the way, New York Times now says Democrats on track to win House.
1: Yeah, though it's been saying that for an hour.
0: Well, so is CNN. Right. Um, If they win, then we're just back to what we were saying as of a couple of minutes ago where it's just, well, the Democrats don't learn anything because of this. And then Republicans win. Would it even make a dent? Is there anyone in positions of power in the DNC who will have any genuine existential crisis as to think, wow, maybe possibly we're doing this wrong Maybe we shouldn't be losing to a cartoon clown man maybe from TV. We,
1: maybe we shouldn't build our entire political brand on this vacuous identity politics and actually offer people an economic program that they can get excited about, something that Bernie Sanders did, something that begins to get into real social, real structural problems with this country, especially um just communities that have been devastated by neoliberal restructuring and uh, drugs, and, and jobs leaving town, and uh, governments cutting back on budgets, trying to attract as much private capital as possible, not wanting to raise anyone's taxes. Um, we'll get into more of the story of how we got here, uh, especially in the socioeconomic sense. Uh, maybe it's not going to be tonight. But the, it has led to... Things that have been happening for 50 years now have led to Trump, have led to people just being, um, people not having a political vision of something better, but just wanting some kind of cult of, uh, cult of personality or some kind of loud hero to tell them that there can be something better. And that's, and that's Trump. And there is you can't fight him unless you actually get back to an answer. To, to some of these problems or a, or, or a discussion of solutions or a positive vision of the future. Um, and, you know, I don't... I Unless, perhaps, they nominate Bernie Sanders, uh, Trump is definitely going to get relayed.
0: I, I, that's the only... Yeah. The only way. I don't think that there is anybody with enough of a brand or, or any candidate who reaches out to those average joe types that trump reached out to in 2016 there's no one on the democratic side who could even come close and i just feel like they're just gonna go with that fucking kennedy kid right
1: who knows or just
0: some random cory booker bullshit or just some nonsense and or fuck hillary again just to say fuck you to everyone come on man it could happen You don't don't completely discredit Hillary the stupidity. Hillary
1: represents everything wrong with contemporary American liberalism, right? I don't think that 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 campaign was just a fluke in twenty sixteen. What everything terrible about Hillary is everything terrible about these Democrats. Mm-hmm.
0: So even if it were Hillary again, we would be feeling the ghost of Hillary through most of the establishment Democratic candidates who are going to be vying for the position. Yeah. Unless they go with someone who's outside the box and someone who challenged her like Bernie. But if they don't, um, which they very easily might not. Um, it depends on how that primary goes. And it depends on what they decide in the end. Because if they, if they want to make sure he doesn't win, they can, you know, fuck with him again.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, and it's possible. The best way to beat Bernie Sanders in the upcoming primary, and he's definitely running, is to consolidate around someone they trust much quicker. I
0: mean, isn't this a little bit similar to, um, if we're looking globally a little bit, to um, how the establishment liberals responded in Brazil to Lulu, Lula. Lula, rather.
1: In what period? By
0: By having him in the, prison on corruption charges to oh, ensure... Oh,
1: think they could pull that against Sanders? Not
0: not prison, but the same kind of idea of, let's make sure...
1: Right, the one... Even though that the there's someone... Folk, right? right, yeah. That
0: idea that, okay... Be.
1: But that would, yeah, it could be. It's the
0: same sort of mentality where it's like, well, we have an easy out here, and we can get back in power, but we don't trust this guy, so we'll take our chances with the proto-fascist, or rather, in that situation, a genuine fascist. Yeah. I mean, thinking like that, or at least looking to that example there's no real way that we can really genuinely say that it couldn't happen here because it kind of already has. Yeah. (laughs) And there's no way we can say it can't happen again. Oh,
1: absolutely. I think we're heading towards fascism. I think that we need to act... The the only... I mean, the only thing that you... There's not really anything you can do. That's that's the reality of this. That's why um, focusing on your own life is the most important thing that you Mm -hmm. can do. But have some kind of orientation towards the collective project. That's we need smart. to build up the left. I think, I think um, we need to build up the left because these Democrats won't be able to save us.
0: I mean, that, yeah. that, is, no, that, that, that is a good point, where um, trying with all your might to live some kind of life currently based around good values and the proliferation of good values and good deeds, good values and good deeds, is really the best political... I mean, it's it's not even a political move. It's just the rational thing to do with your life. Because well, Personal praxis. Yeah, just a general um, positioning psychologically that every day you are going to try to be a better person than you were yesterday is just the best thing you could possibly do for yourself and others, even though our ability to change the uh, cultural climate is incredibly limited if not completely null at the very least by being open to being good to others the values that you hold true can hopefully proliferate in a more widespread sense at least if just in your community if not just for yourself and your friends and family um, and if you and, if you hold those values true and you practice them religiously, well, then those values can rub off on um, another person's politics, right? So even if you don't preach the word of Sanders, right, if you are practicing the ideals that he speaks of or are connected to his ideas, then maybe that will, by some sort of osmosis, make other people rethink their um Beliefs that they hold dear. And um, that's really the most that any individual can really do at this point. Because there isn't much of a voice that we have on an individual basis. Which doesn't mean to not fight. Because that's all we really have to do. So,
1: I, I, agree, that I agree with, I would say, like 90% of that. The, the issue is, I don't think... You mentioned the word community. And mm. I don't think we really have community anymore. I think... Um, you just, you know, you. people people are part of social networks. But uh, if you look at society physically, we don't have kind of the village squares anymore, the town halls. Well, I guess
0: it depends on how you define community. Yeah,
1: yeah, yes, you're right. You're right. It depends on how you define community. But community, uh, I don't think community is something that bubbles up into political change anymore. That's just uh, that grassroots kind of a vision of politics and even social values and how we want to build society um i don't think that exists anymore i think you just can pick one brand or the other and i think that's how capitalism works and i think the concept of community has become a brand in and of itself um living your life in a way with particular coded values um of just non-judgment non-discrimination solidarity and, and empathy, but also empathy that's reasonable and the ability to withhold empathy and the ability to hold someone accountable, which is another which is a very important path to to love and caring about someone as well. Um that I don't I don't think that's enough. Or I don't think that's gonna change the country.
0: No, no, I don't think so yeah, at yeah. all.
1: But that that is almost all you can do. Yes. But um it is important to Keep educating yourself. That will mm-hmm. always be important, right? I think we can agree on that. Um, signing on... Getting involved in activism. It's really challenging because so many organizations... They, you know, will tell you they're doing it, but they're not. And no one knows where to start. And they're, and movement politics is very hard to accomplish in America currently. But... Um, there, you know, if, if you're interested in something like the Democratic Socialist of America, even though there's not much being done, as far as my understanding of it, um, there is a network being born and relationships being made of people who want to see the radical transformation of society. If you don't want that, there are still organizations you can get involved with and certain projects. It's really hard to have faith that that will mean anything, but Matt, I think we do need to have a little bit of like um, a collective social element to the steps you're going to take, right?
0: It's it's a little it's tough because on um, on one hand, I, all I can think is when it comes to these sort of uh, groups that are established.
1: And where do we go from here?
0: Well, groups that are established for the specific point of moving the political needle. <laughs> Is there really any genuine changing of someone's minds just through a group like that? Is there any... Because all you're going to do is create debate which will which will embolden yourself, but it's but then in, the, in some sense it just emboldens whoever you're trying to reach out to because then they'll argue you and then you just wind up in a situation where both sides are just proving themselves right.
1: Well, winning the hearts and minds isn't... Yeah,
0: well, yeah, that's well, there you, there you start to get to the meat of it, where it's about the hearts and the minds rather than just um, the teams and winning the game, and that's a far more difficult question to answer. How, how, in a group like um, DSA, do you win hearts and minds? That's tough. It's very tough. And I don't have an answer to that. That's why I keep going back to really just a simplistic, if not, I, mean, I don't want to call it juvenile, but certainly individualistic idea of, well, you can only be the best you you can possibly be to yourself and those around you. And I guess when I say those around you, that's what I mean more by community. Because if you, and it really depends on what you do professionally, socially, And where you are, like physically, right, geographically. If you're in the middle of Kansas, your ability to have a real outreach and a social network physically is going to be far more limited than in Queens or Brooklyn or uh, Boston, right? So I guess more to urbanites is to really think through the, the, the extent of your social power and ability to bring goodwill. Of some sort, and not necessarily a political one, but a moral one. Because right now, our situation is far more dire than one of just basic blue versus red. It's a moral crisis across the board in big ways. Um, and just having that open perspective is at this moment, at this particular moment as of November 7th, 2018 is just a little more pertinent than moving the needle. Just making sure we're all on the the same page about all people get to live, right? Like, we should be focused on that because I don't know if we're all on the same page about that. It it seems like a a stretch sometimes to think like that, but I don't want to be in a situation five years from now where we're wondering, hey, if we had thought about that a little earlier, maybe maybe we could have avoided uh, cataclysm.
1: Yeah. You know, well, the well, the the surface ideology of the of the of the contemporary conservative movement and what it's becoming. I don't think they. I don't think they. They are that that ideology is about some people live, some people die, but what's underneath it might be the at the the surface rhetoric. They're not talking about that. Yes. But what they are heading with. What they are working towards seems to be some kind of white supremacist project. It's what they're teasing. Right. It's what they're teasing. And they're flirting with, all, you know, Kekistan, Pepe, the right wing ideas in the, you know, the worlds of uh, 4chan and Reddit and those kind that kind of Internet underground that helped elect President Trump, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You're making you're making a great point. How much how much can we do right now? I think we also got to have a bit of a refoundation because a lot of people don't like these Republicans. They don't like President Trump. And I'm sure there were a million motivations that did, win, that did go into the maybe it was minuscule or feeble victory of the Democrats taking back the House. And if they do, look, I'm going to say that's a victory. I'm still processing what it means. But what, if you, what don't you like about Trump? And the Republicans, I think everyone has to ask themselves that. Do you not like his attitude? Do you not like the fact that he was caught on tape saying, oh, I'll just grab him by the pussies, by the pussy, even though that's something people you may know may have been doing at fraternity parties in college? Not that it's acceptable at all, but it, yeah, it's not acceptable at all. But is that what you don't like about him? Um, do you think his policy promulgation is in that is in that mold? Um, do you think that do you not like him because he's a white male? Do you not like the Republicans because they're all white male? Do you want a party that's more diverse? Is that as deep as it goes? Because I think the Democrats want you to think, I think the Democratic Party leadership doesn't want to go much further than that because when you go deeper than that, you see that, not just the Republicans, but both of but both the major parties in this country, are debt are are um, financed by the rich and designed to loot the society and maintain a particular distribution of resources, um, to benefit a very very tiny percentage of the population. And if you look at inequality, it's astronomical. A small group of people is running off with all the money, and. If that is, that's what I don't like about the system, in addition to its lack of stability, the lack of meaningful jobs and fulfillment, and the insecurity that, that people with way worse off than me have to live with all the time, if that's what you don't like, then not only do you have to hate the Republicans, but you have to hate the Democrats because they also do the exact same things that have led to the way the country is right now. They cut taxes on the rich. They deregulate. They they've rolled back environmental regulations at times, social regulations, um, labor regulations, and financial regulations. They um, helped uh, explode. They were deporting. They were deporting millions of uh, of illegal immigrants in in America, undocumented persons, and. Um, they, have been, they have done the same kinds of wars. Like, name one thing you don't like about Trump. And the Democrats have done that to some extent. They've had rapey, creepy presidents. They've had Bill Clinton and John F. Kennedy and Lyndon Johnson who would whip his dick out at meetings. At meetings. I bet you Donald Trump's conduct is better than that. So we have to ask ourselves, is it, is it the tone that we don't like? Or is it the agenda which we have to repudiate? Because if, that, if, it, if the case is the latter, we need to repudiate the
0: Democrats as well. So no, I mean, you can beat that with your stick. No, 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 that's definitely the right attitude. And then you also have to hold the Democrats accountable for Trump as well. Had they not run a campaign that ignored their constituents with such callousness and ignorance, and pride that maybe this all could have been avoided. And so much trauma that now we're trying desperately to heal from would have just never occurred. Um, the The anger should be... The anger should not be limited. You should not in any way limit your anger just to one side. The anger should be across the board in this regard. And that I definitely agree with. And that also that the, the issue is, is, is one that's far more systematic. Um, I guess what the hope was tonight is that the nation would recoil at the rhetoric that Trump uses, right? Because his rhetoric is brash and mean and harsh and flirts with proto fascism more than anyone we it, can remember. It is
1: proto-fascist. It flirts with fascism. Yes. I thought that was your your analysis of it.
0: That it is proto-fascist. Right. Because it flirts it fl- with Because it flirts with fascism. Right. And across the board, we didn't get that intense recoil that we went to the polls today craving. Instead, we kind of got what feels and looks like a business-as-usual kind of result, which, if anything, more or less normalizes the strangeness and horror that the past two years has been built upon. So, any Democrat, any Democrat, logically, should not be in a celebratory mood, because celebratory moods are just going to kind of start to... um Ease People the guard. Get comfortable. Yeah, get comfortable right. with it. Right, you
1: you forget that we still have the we still have the same problems.
0: Nothing has been resolved here.
1: Yeah, and and where did the Democrats really do well tonight? The, and and now we can maybe be, and we have California districts coming in. By the way, the the famous uh, uh, Orange County Republican district of uh, Dana Rohrbacher, she is ahead by seventy votes. It's a really close race, but. You know the rate the the most of the midterm gains are going to come from the suburbs of New York, uh, New York City, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and a couple in um, it seems the Pennsylvania and a couple scattered throughout. It's suburban areas that are turning. It's areas that were growing more diverse, and it's areas where um, social conservatism. And the social conservative movement is really uh weak, and they teach liberal concepts in the in high schools in the suburbs mm-hmm. um, uh, it is also Peter King might lose Luba's ahead by three thousand votes Luba Gretchen Shirley oh my god now you can't deny that this is there's something happening here at least in New York, but
0: well new york i mean
1: I, We'll have to see how this whole thing goes, but it, there's you know both sides I think are not maybe maybe not even reconsolidating but regrouping. There's a regrouping, um, and it doesn't you know it doesn't change the fundamental political landscape, and it, it certainly doesn't mean Trump's on track to not get reelected. But I'm looking at these upstate races. Nate McMurray won by is eleven thousand ahead fifty percent reporting. I, Colin, Colin Peterson in Minnesota, uh, ten thousand ahead as well. There's some serious Democratic flips here. I don't know. I don't know if and and maybe maybe the anger at Trump was enough to do this. Maybe
0: but, but across there, the, there's
1: some kind of reaction going on here because they didn't campaign on much, health care kind of.
0: But I'm talking across the board. If we're looking at a national level, is it enough? I don't think it's enough.
1: To, to what beat Trump? No. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, I don't think it is either. But there's <laughs> the the Democrats are certainly angrier, and and whatever the turnout landscape with this was, it worked.
0: It worked for them. Were there any major other stories from the uh, from what we were looking at tonight that you think are not worth? Not yet. I'm
1: not ready to uh, explore them just yet.
0: Um, as far as how things are looking tonight, I don't think we're gonna mu- be able. I was, I was, I was honestly hoping we'd be able to milk more out of this. I think we were gonna get more talking points, but it really the more the more we we keep looking at the numbers and the more we keep looking at states that are historically blue that are still pretty blue and states that we thought were going to go blue that were red but really just stayed blue stayed red rather it's not it's not much of a narrative i don't think this election i i
1: can't in the history
0: books is going to mean anything
1: yeah look i was i was so wrong here with the house i wasn't that wrong with the other races i predicted that um I I rightfully thought that uh, Gillum and um, Nelson would go down in Florida, but with these house races, I, races, I just gotta reengage the pundit class and read the Nate Silver blogs and get a sense of what really, um, really fucking happened here. Um, Cause yeah, I'm just not ready to put it, put it together in my head. Cause there, I do know that fifty percent of of advertising spending by the Democrats this cycle was on health care, so that's you know that's something that definitely brings people out, but it didn't seem to be the real drumbeat of this race. The drumbeat of this race to me seemed to be, "Fuck Trump, uh, let let Washington know how you feel about what's happening right now." Um. So, yeah, I'm I'm at a point where I don't I don't have anything else to say until I learn a little bit more.
0: Yeah, I agree. Let's not let's not um. Let's not rush to judgment about what we're looking at yet. Although, genuinely overall, I don't think we're looking at anything that's genuinely historic or really that interesting. You might be, because this is more of your field, Adam. I think you might be able to pull some more uh, apples from a, a little up higher on the tree that I'm not able to see. I'm kind of going for the low-hanging fruit because that's just what I'm used to. Well,
1: my degree is in sociology. I wouldn't call it my field, but it's certainly something I'm very something. passionate and interested about interested
0: in so let's follow up on it i think we i think we have more yeah, to talk about i think here.
1: we i think we should regroup with, with this tomorrow
0: yeah let's continue let's continue the discussion All right, and we're back. Um, now we're back uh, to the future. We went back to the future. It's November 13th again. Um, and so since um, since we recorded those reactions a week ago, our our feelings towards the midterm are slightly more optimistic than when we left off that night, especially with how Florida's a little bit more in question, Arizona switched, um, and and just generally the, the, the real implications of a, of a democratic house of representatives minus nancy pelosi uh that would be um that would be a big deal now with nancy uh in the driver's seat as it looks likely to be i don't know how much progress we're actually going to make but the implications are there and at the very least the potential is there uh the what we didn't cover that night is what we couldn't cover at all it was the fallout right next day uh as it seems right um Attorney General Jeff Sessions was ousted because, well, the president saw the writing on the wall and he knows that with um, the Democrats in power, Mueller is likely to be more protected. So he wanted to get the guy.
1: Yeah, because that's the and that's the only thing ever like the the. The, the, the What the these actual democratic politicians really care about is just investigating Trump. God forbid they just come out of the gate talking about, okay, every single American is going to have access to Medicare. We want to do a trillion dollar infrastructure plan to literally rebuild those crumbling areas of Indiana and Michigan. It's like, nope. It's all, it's all, oh, we're going we're gonna to get Trump. And the fact that he controls the narrative, again, this is a guy who's probably going to get reelected on the mere fact that the Democrats are pussy whipped to talking about him. And he controls the framework of the entire conversation in this country. And I, I know that was a bit of a tangent, but just goes to show you, oh, everyone cares about
0: Sessions, everyone cares about Mueller, not the actual material issues that affect people's lives. They play into the reality TV program. And that's what plays into Trump's hand. The more you mention his name, the more you play into the characters, right? Uh, The the more you play into the Amorosas and the Jeff Sessions and the Bob Muellers and uh, any of them, Trump, Melania, Don Jr., Ivanka, Stormy Daniels especially. The more you play into the TV show, the more you entertain the masses, the more they eat it up, and the more they are likely... Money, 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 money. I mean, that's it.
1: Money, 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 money. Yeah, like all, all American domestic politics is just reality television.
0: It's The Apprentice. We have it. This is The Apprentice presidency. Yeah. So, so, clearly, it would be best if we focused on the issues, of course. Um, into the initial fallout, of course, as well. Um, which means that the new attorney general, acting attorney general, is this guy, Matt Whitaker who openly said that the Mueller investigation should end. So everyone's saying, oh, that's why Trump has him in there, which is probably likely. And the big question is, will the Democrats have any backbone to, well, do anything? I mean, we'll have to wait and see. We have a couple more months to find out where they're going to begin. Um, but that's really the situation as it stands in on November 13th, uh, I- at least in the most concisive ways.
1: I, I mean... I, maybe we can agree to disagree. I'm not sure where you stand on this exactly, but I, for one, don't even want the Democrats to investigate Trump, and it's merely because the as long as the Republicans have the Senate, they're not going to get him. They're not. Get, they're just not going to get him impeached. It, it will not happen. His Republican Party will not abandon him at this point. So it, it will only distract media attention and political capital and political time and meeting times from all of the other issues that people care about so i i i think the whole thing is stupid and but you know because this dominates the media conversation and dominates the political discourse we'll be talking about it in the future
0: i i kind of fall into the middle a little bit about that because i understand where you're coming from in terms of saying well it just dominates the coverage it's not important to the average American uh, worker, or the average American person, so it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. But at the same time, to not do anything in the face of such blatant, um, I mean, in, in some regards, treason would just read bad in the uh, the book of history, so to speak. So while I do think that they obviously should investigate the, uh, the guy, I, I do at the same time think they should not make that the the centerpiece of their entire uh, political party about unseating him right i don't think i don't think they should even answer questions they shouldn't even take questions that have to do with trump they shouldn't take him seriously as a human being but continue to put the heat under him and make him squirm and make him make stupid moves like removing jeff sessions things that are blatantly ridiculous and potentially unconstitutional to make himself look dumber while they don't necessarily even pay attention to it or rather publicly pay attention to it
1: but what did this guy do what did trump do that was treasonous he took a meeting with putin like what like what how what is what is the treason can like
0: open well he did openly call for putin to investigate hillary clinton and to find dirt on her Accepting a foreign power's influence into a, into a general election is pretty, it's not good. And then you have to wonder, well, why would Putin do it? Where's the deal, right? Where's the transaction? And, and, and that's, that's more of the things that we have to kind of figure out. But to ignore it is a little extreme, to just completely ignore that something sketchy happened here.
1: Yeah, I I guess you're right on that. I I just think it's so blown out of proportion. I don't we we don't we don't know if Trump actually met with Putin on this, right? We know his son did. wasn't it Eric or Kushner it, it, or, or his son or it, it was
0: uh, it was Don Jr. Or
1: Don Jr., right? Um and we ha- we know there were Russian um bots and trolls and we know that a big page that was a black lives matter page telling people not to vote for quentin we know that was run by the russians and we know that there's some relationship between Rush the Russia Russia and Julian Assange of WikiLeaks and they hacked the DNC which i'm just frankly happy about because i think people have a right to know what the D- what's in the DNC and how they stole the nominating process from Bernie Sanders but you could make the legal argument that this was kind of just the russian state intervening in the election yeah they were not doing um, it
0: to 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 help out uh- <laughs> the radical, liberal, and you. They were in, you know, the, the intentions, of course, matter, right? You have to consider that, what their what their ultimate goal is. Because if you ignore their ultimate goal, you might get blindsided by um, something far worse in the future.
1: Well, Trump maintained all of the sanctions of the Obama administration and haven't, hasn't changed much of our overall posture towards Russia if you look at actual um, precedents. Since Obama, so uh, you know, I, I guess I I think Russia has Russia certainly had a stake in Trump winning and is benefiting a little bit, but like you know, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. We can we can go into the whole situation
0: with geopolitics. We cannot. That's your call. No, that that feels like an entire uh that feels like an entirely different episode, right? That feels like if we're gonna if we're gonna dis- discuss that legitimately, we should like. Dedicate that time. I, I think right now we're just kind of exactly, exactly right now we're just kind of addressing the initial fallout from this, right? And and the very fact that that Trump would throw out his attorney general is indicative that he is hiding something, something big enough to get him impeached or or worse, right? So there is something. You're right.
1: And hasn't and isn't he hiding like huge sec- huge um like you know there's years and years of tax returns
0: but hasn't he not shown a lot of them i don't know if he's shown any isn't that part of this too i don't don't believe he's shown any of his tax returns no the guy's the guy's a sleazeball (laughs) he's been a sleazeball for like 40 years and it's as simple as that this guy's this guy's a wannabe gangster but it turns out he did better than most gangsters he's the president of the united states so (laughs) what can you say to that um I think as of this moment, that's the most we can possibly say about this election, this election situation. Do you want to move into uh, our our more local uh, state of affairs? Yeah, let's talk about uh, the ramp
1: in Forest Hills and how it is now going to be the prime ramp. We're going to have the the, uh, Amazon Ramones. Queens is going to get primed, basically. Queens is going prime, folks
0: queens is going prime how exciting yeah as the uh, as the leaks seem to have uh, in indicated uh they've become more and more public one of the uh, top locations being discussed for amazon's second headquarters is long island city oh it's it's right
1: by, it's official they had it they had the press conference today with cuomo and de blasio and amazon bezos oh, wow bezos wasn't there it's official yeah it's happening um so oh, how terrifying yeah. Um, well, I think there's a silver lining to it. Um, but so uh, the Amazon made the decision that they were going to open up a second headquarters on par with their already gigantic um, corporate offices, office space in Seattle. They made that decision in the summer of 2017. Um, so we're like over a year into this process and uh, cities across the country were tripping over themselves to say, we will like we will basically not have to we will basically not tax you at all if you come here plus we'll give you more money chicago had one of the most horrifying proposals where all commercial tax all the revenue of i think commercial taxes and all the construction costs and income tax income taxes of employees all of those would go back to amazon so um But what do you know, they're splitting this, they're splitting it instead of one big campus with about 50,000 employees, they're going to have two new ones of 25,000 each. One of them is going to be in Northern Virginia. A lot of uh, people were predicting he would pick Metro DC because Bezos owns the Washington Post and he is, he is very, um, he's been very involved in the American political scene, especially with very vocal spats Mm -hmm. with Trump and Sanders. Um, so, and he, you know, he owns that newspaper, but surprise, surprise, he went with New York, you know, all this, I think it's sick. Like they had, they had all of these, they got up the hopes of every small and mid-sized city in America where you practically have to pay zero taxes. And the, the like environment for bringing a business is just incredibly hospitable. And they dangled it in front of all those cities like Kansas city and like, you know, San Antonio, Texas and El Paso, Texas, but they're going with New York, you know, it's, and Washington, the two most like elite metros on the Eastern seaboard. So it just goes to show you that how much of this national competition was probably a little shambolic, wouldn't you say?
0: Oh, 100%. Um, it's interesting. The, the tro- I didn't know about the the DC metro choice as well. So that now, they're, now they're, uh, they're leering over not only the business center of the world, but also the political center of the, of the country. Um, very strategic, uh, clearly clearly well thought out, um, splitting it up like that and uh, spreading their tentacles a little bit. I guess what I'm wondering now is what the implication—because I'm thinking more locally as to how this affects the city, um, Long Island City being the location— I, have to imagine, I mean, not only just gentrification, I'm thinking like the subway. <laughs> That's my concern primarily before any, anything. So does the E-train become worse? I say probably. It depends on how many people they're employing and how they're getting to work and where they're going to live. Where are all of these people going to live? Are they going to be living in those, those, those high-rise towers that are popping up in Long Island City, are they going to move to um, the outer hamlets of um, Queens, potentially Forest Hills, places like that? Um, are these people going to be hired? Are they native New Yorkers already? Or are they outsourcing people? Um, there's a lot of questions here. And regardless, this will have some degree of an effect on how we live here in the city. Uh, all of those questions, I don't think any of us have answers to. Do you have more of a, um, a general opinion on uh, on this headquarters and and it coming to New York, more that more opinions that are less um, uh, selfish than my own reasoning about the subway.
1: Well, oh well, no, the subway's is a, a pretty big part of this whole thing. I'm I'm following more so just the political situation unfolding, and there is going to be a battle over this. But we'll get into why Amazon is certainly poised to win that battle. But so um. Right now, the seven trains, eight trains, they're already overcrowded. All of the infrastructure in Long Island City is outdated, including the roads, including including the Long Island Expressway and its exit at Van Dam Street. If anyone's ever, if anyone's ever tried to go over the Queensboro Bridge instead of the Midtown Tunnel coming from the LIE, you know that that is a crazy, crazy boulevard through a jam-packed area, and. And the sewers, the sewers are literally uh, the sewers currently can't handle rainstorms. There's outflows in every single in every single major rainstorm. You'll have certain sewers that just the water's going up out of them. So Long Island City needs serious infrastructural investments, and it's no coincidence that about two weeks before this, they announced an 150 million dollar project on that front. But it's going to take way more than millions. 25,000 people is the population of Merrick. So imagine having a single workspace with that is basically the has the population of a town. Merrick's actually a little bit less than 25,000. And just plopping it into that area. Of course there's going to be overcrowding. It's not even a question. You don't need you don't need an advanced t- degree to 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 research these things. Um, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I imagine Long Island City's population is somewhere between 100 and 150,000. So they're going to be commute. They're going to be commuting. Some of them are going to be living. But the good news is Long Island City has built a lot of housing units over the last five years. They're pricey, but some of the higher level Amazon employees will be able to afford them. So the housing market is actually probably going to be affected a little bit less because there's just been this boom in all five boroughs, then the subway situation, the subways and sewers and roads are the, are going to be the real problem. And if I were any any level politician representing the New York City, pe- the people of New York, I would say Amazon has to pay the billions it will take to accommodate their headquarters infrastructurally.
0: That I certainly agree with. What I'm wondering is... Um... These people that are going to be moving in, and I guess I'm more wondering what the general purpose of this headquarters is. Are these these can't all be suits who are moving in. These are also going to be workers, right? People who uh, pack orders and work the, the warehouse. Is that what this is as well? No, it's not a warehouse. It's all... They said um,
1: in the press conference, um, they said that the uh, the average person uh, the average salary of a worker at this uh, this campus is going to be over one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So this is for twenty five twenty five thousand people. Right? Yeah, the average. So then you know uh-huh. you're gonna you're gonna have a lot of people in the hundreds. I'm sure. You know, and maybe maybe the custodial work beyond construction, right? Because construction is one thing for construction workers, but um, cust- custodial and security. It's probably doesn't, you know, that's probably not going to be thousands and thousands, right? Maybe a couple thousand, but this is going to be tech people, people who are coding. I'm sure Amazon has like a marketing division, logistics, business, like accountants. They're just, they're a, they're a gigantic corporation. Every single kind of professional career is gonna have a del- is going to have their own delegation at this project. So mm. if you think about if you think about the world in that kind of um professional managerial lens this is a this is a, a kind of a boom or a or a boon a big win for New York um if you know if you're on the left and and you think and you're thinking okay well if if uh if 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 most people aren't in the class that benefits, if you have a lot of people who will just be living near this thing and affected by this thing but have no stake in it, then maybe it's a bad deal.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't see how this really does any good for any run-of-the-mill New Yorker in this situation other than that they're living in a more crowded city than it already was. And considering that the subways are in such horrendous condition and are the biggest, most pathetic laughingstock of the modern world, having traveled them every day. I can't even imagine the amount of just horror that this will bring into um, an ailing transportation system. Now, you know transportation and just the general geography of New York better than I do. Do the people who are who are working who are going to be moving into this headquarters are they going to be looking mainly to live in Long Island City or are they going to be thinking Williamsburg and Brooklyn too is this does this expand look
1: i think i think it's a huge spread the top level executives are going to be living in manchester in mansions on in you know oyster bay and northern westchester right as they kind of do now in connecticut they'll be commuting down i think you're going to have Upper mid-level people who can afford like those Manhattan apartments, Upper West Side apartments, Long Island City apartments. You know, not super rich, but very wealthy people. But the 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 lower half, maybe people in their twenties and thirties, just hired out of college at Amazon, who aren't going to be paid over you know one twenty. Uh, yeah, you're look. They're they're heading into. um the trendier areas. So I'm sure. Well, Williamsburg is already completely gentrified. Bushwick is is probably, I would say, finishing the first round of gentrification, where it's not super expensive yet, but it's kind of hipsterfied from east to west. Um, but Woodside, Jackson Heights, Ridgewood, Sunnyside, uh, Elmhurst, and the western parts of Elmhurst—they are all going to change. Of the mm. twenty five thousand, at least five to ten thousand, especially if these subways are overcrowded, and you know they will be. The city does not have its shit together to 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 expand capacity overnight. And we're talking about maybe a new tunnel or something. And the Long Island, and keep in mind, they just blew twenty billion dollars in the fucking Long Island Railroad expansion to Grand Central, which doesn't benefit any of these people. Right? They're no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That that is for people east of lyc getting to manhattan so that so that meant nothing to this they just blew 20 the mta just blew 20 billion dollars on that but who knows what they have to do to make this
0: subway situation work but
1: it's um, a nightmare
0: it's it was already a nightmare now it's a a, a double nightmare it's even worse right they're
1: they're they're talking about ferries which is honestly not a bad idea but you know regardless the transit situation will be very bad Getting from Manhattan, so you can bet your ass, young professionals are going to move in to Woodside, Jackson Heights, Ridgewood. The crime rates are already lower. They're already lower than North Brooklyn now. There is no, there is the only argument against the gentrification of these areas is it just hasn't happened yet. There's not, there's not kind of the the cultural reputation of areas like Woodside and the way there has been Williamsburg and Bushwick, um, and it's South American. Uh, It's with Latin American, South American communities that are going to be displaced the hardest by this. Um, And and, and what
0: happens to them is the question.
1: Well, I mean, there has been a general eastward movement of lower-income people in Williamsburg, Bushwick, North Brooklyn, generally, east, towards um, East New York and Brownsville. Um, Some people move out to the suburbs. I don't, you know, I, I don't know... I actually don't know gentrification that well, especially the New York history, history of it to say where everyone's going. But I do know that you can expect the transformation of these communities and just the, the compression of affordability, the foot that's going to come down on the real estate market is just going to be, it's just going to be such a grind. I mean, it's already happening in all of Brooklyn and parts of Queens and Astoria. It's, now, now it's going to be the whole northwestern chunk of Queens. Basically, everything up to the Grand Central Parkway. Heck, everything up to the Van Wyck Expressway. It's going to change. It's going to change. There's not going to be any of the... There's going to be very, very much less affordable housing anywhere in the borough. You're, gonna ha- you're only going to be talking about Jamaica and the southern parts of Queens, which are currently more affordable than kind of the middle and northern parts. damn (laughs) yeah but hey i mean but hey the good news is amazon will have so much talent to to pluck from um from the great labor markets of new york
0: well isn't that a plus
1: i mean i'm waiting on the day amazon disney and facebook merge and basically you don't need any other companies all your needs will be met
0: yeah you'll just have one you'll have one app for everything yeah,
1: they'll I just mean, be called
0: Life, and you will just click on it, and you'll get everything you need. Yeah, they'll, I
1: think, they'll rebrand it too. Life is too, life isn't, um, hip and edgy enough. They'll go with something new. They'll just, like, oh,
0: they'll, they'll, life will be too mundane. They'll have to cr- create Life 2.0 or, or like something more sleek and modern. <laughs> their their logo will be just the infinity sign because they go beyond life they extend into the afterlife they're they they're just being they they they're just called being and they're just everything you could ever hope or dream of
1: yeah i mean look it, the part in wally where where the future of the human race is just a bunch of obese people and like hovering chairs moving around a spaceship with their eyes glued to a screen drinking fat drinks like fun stimulating drinks or whatever Um, think about how everyone is glued to their phones and screens already. We're, in terms of the attention component, oh my god, we're already in a dystopia, I think. It's the first sign. It's the first sign.
0: I I definitely think we're firmly in a dystopia, um, although I don't know, I don't know if we'll be that severely obese. I feel like the general trend will be, there'll definitely be a lot more, um, won't be a whole lot of moving around or a lot of, not a lot of active people. But I feel like everyone's going to be weirdly fit somehow, right? Like we're all going to be eating avocado toast and shit and we'll be like weirdly healthy, but we're not doing anything with our bodies. It's just there. You know what I mean? Yeah, because there'll be so much cultural,
1: there'll be so much cultural pressure to look good, beautiful, because Madison Avenue. People
0: will just be getting, people will just be getting surgery just to look good and that'll be it.
1: Exactly. And, and who knows what kind of health insurance they'll have. Or maybe Amazon takes care of that,
0: too. Healthcare Prime. Oh, Healthcare Prime. That's excellent. Education. I mean, what do, do, you, do you even really need
1: a state? I mean, come on. Everything the government does can be taken care of in 10 apps. We need to get innovative. We need innovation.
0: Innovation. Well, as long as we're all benefiting from it, I guess that's a good idea. Just innovate, innovate, innovate.
1: Yeah, because that's that's all society is. It's just a grid that can be broken down into a series of platforms, and you can meet all our needs in a in an automated system, and we'll uh, we'll forever uh, be happy and stimulated, and that is our glorious future.
0: Well, that sounds great. I, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm 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 just gonna look at the surface level aesthetic of what you just presented, and I feel like we can talk ad nauseum, um, regarding the, 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 my, details of this glorious dystopia. Um, but that, that, I mean, that can definitely, that could take up like a full episode of this thing, right? Talking through all the possibilities of where we're heading in the next 20, 30 years.
1: Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I, yes, but we also, there also will be an episode on why capitalism will get us all killed unless we literally take to the streets. um, Oh, and destroy. we could do we could do that another day.
0: That sounds fun. Let's do that. Okay. <laughs> well, here we are.'re we're, we're, we're brainstorming our future right now, right in front of you. Um, lots of fun ideas, lots of fun to be had here on carousel jockeys. So uh, soon uh, at some point we'll we'll get into the real meat of what our title even means, right? It's not an arbitrary title, Carousel jockeys, but we might keep you waiting on that. Maybe that's how we'll open up the next episode, right? Just by by picking apart where we're at and what our um our our, our basic ideology is when it comes to our, our title.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well I think we're gonna we're gonna get into a nice conversation about
0: the good old carousel of stimulation. The carousel of stimulation, and I feel like even just by that name alone, you can start to read into where we're heading with this, especially with what we just talked about. Um, For now, though, I feel like we did a generally a a decent job. Maybe maybe a little lengthy. We might be tightening this up a little bit more as we go. But we covered the midterms. We covered who we are. We covered a little bit of our beliefs. We we covered the the crumbling state of the MTA, which. Which I probably will be ranting about a lot in the future, as I as I just generally tend to do that in life, as it is now. Yeah, we're, gonna so it MTA, FTA, we're gonna have a, a Cuomo. Blasio, uh, we're gonna have
1: a Cuomo De Blasio episode. We're gonna have the Democrats who can't get shit done episode. That's gonna be
0: fun in New York. It'll be the it'll be the blue wake. You know, like a wake in the water instead of a wave. We'll talk about the blue wake. The blue wake is the. Being stuck
1: on the E train at the same, at the same stop for 20 minutes, wondering when the train is going to move.
0: I am so excited for you to start riding the subways, Adam, because you, you're just going to be driven insane. You're going to really understand. Like now you, you, right now you, you know it on a certain level, but you're going to understand. Well, the, the the, th- just the, the, the insanity.
1: It, it's been so pleasant though. Like I've been just, I, so the backstory is I'm, I'm, pl- I'm planning to move to Brooklyn within the next few weeks. Um, and, uh, the two train and the three train, um, they've been doing pretty good. The worst part about driving to Brooklyn to get there is the driving and the belt parkway and conduit Avenue. So I, I, don't know what you're talking about yet. I like the idea of having the subways and not having to park your car everywhere, but I'm sure I, I have no idea what I'm getting myself into.
0: Oh, no, you don't at all. Yeah. <laughs> once you've ridden it enough, you'll, you'll have completely lost your mind
1: okay okay (laughs) this episode has been brought to you by amazon you can become an amazon prime subscriber now just click on the link in the subscription and pray five times a day to our glorious overlord
0: jeffrey bezos who weirdly looks like lex Luthor. so that's fun that's that's exciting too Um, And and we're totally we're
1: we're totally not filming this out of a warehouse in Long Island City to psychologically prepare New York for the Amazonification of Queens.
0: There is plenty of space to cover. It's going to be it's going to be a weird place to be. Oh, yeah. All right. So until we follow up again.
1: All right. Thank you for listening. This is just the beginning. We're just getting started.
0: Yes, this was a little rough around the edges, but I think, I think we're heading in a positive direction. Uh, until next time. Doctor
1: prescribes a case of the Long Island Blues. When well, I'm out of New York, they know exactly where I'm from. Corky. Water. Water. All corks. <laughs> the
0: typical
1: one I'm in action, the but they are some... That people associate with Hong or some general like New York area. A dialect. Mall. Mother. Water. One of them is a vowel, actually called a coffee vowel. Corpus. Corpus.